passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch crushing! Deep left field! This is way back! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Did Vinny Pasquantino get called up today? He sure did. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today on Tuesday, June 28th. Frank Sample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. I guess technically when you're listening to this, he was called up yesterday. But don't worry, we'll talk about it. Big prospect, promotion, and unlikely complete game shutout. More pitcher regression. And team name Tuesday, which I can assure you will get done about an hour and two minutes away from now. Right, Chris? That's that's my prediction. Yeah, Scott <laughs> said it's going to be the shortest show of the season, and I said there's no way because anytime we have these shows where we're like, oh, there wasn't really much to talk about. It's like somehow ends up being like an hour and seven minutes. So yeah, my prediction Frank, is Team Name Tuesday starts an hour in. Frank promised us a game today to to fill in the gaps, but he did not come through. Didn't. So I'm shaming him you by predicting the shortest show of the year. <laughs> I have this weird complex, I think, where when we have less games, I over-prepare because I always think that we're never going to fill the show, and then we always overfill the show. So it's just, A minute down, baby. Yeah, we're, we're off to a good start. We are making great time. Let's talk about Vinny Pasquantino, who got called up on Monday, also known as the, quote, Italian Breakfast. That's his nickname. I've also seen Italian Nightmare. The common denominator is that he's Italian, so... You can take that away from Vinny Pasquantino. Uh, apparently, the nickname, the breakfast one, comes up comes from Billy Butler, who was known as the country breakfast. So yep. they're both first basemen. They have similar builds. Alas, this is how we get that nickname. Um, Vinny Pasquantino did slow down a bit in June in the minor leagues, but overall, he was batting 280 overall with 18 home runs and a 948 OPS. I updated the first base ranks. I moved him ahead of Luke Voigt, Nate Lowe, Alex Kirilov might be way too aggressive. Scott, what do you think? I mean, I don't know that I'd have those three in, in that same order, but that sounds about right. I had him uh, just ahead of Alex Kirilov on my top prospects to stash the last time they were both in that column. So, yeah, anywhere you were excited about picking up Kirilov, you should be excited about picking up Pasquantino and then some. Nintendo 64 I like to call him because last year... Vinny Pasquantino had 64 extra base hits, 64 walks, and 64 strikeouts, which is is interesting not just for the parallelism, but because uh, that's not many strikeouts. That's a lot of walks, 
for for the number of plate appearances you get in the minors, and that's a lot of extra base hits. So this guy is uh, a really good hitter, at least by the raw stats. Uh, this year, you know, one more walk than strikeout, so he's continued the feat at AAA. And uh, for a while there, you know, toward the end of May, he was looking like he was looking like an absolute monster. It cooled off in June, as you pointed out, Frank. But I, I think, uh, what was it? I think, in, I think in June he has twelve walks versus six strikeouts. So you know, even though the numbers haven't been good, he's still done hitterish, impressive hitterish things that would lead me to believe. You know, hopefully, hopefully he's going to have a smooth transition here to the majors. Of course. That's what we assumed for Andrew Vaughn and, and Spencer Torkelson, who I think would be the the two most relevant comps. The, the The difference between those three players would be one: Pasquantino's numbers are just better, at least in terms of the plate discipline, certainly. But also, you know, I think the fact that he actually did it at Double A AA and Triple A, which Torkelson and Vaughn didn't really do. That's of course also because those guys are two and three years younger respectively at the times that they made their debuts than Pasquantino is and didn't go to double A AA or triple A. They skipped those levels almost entirely. And so, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, I'm trying to figure out whether the fact that Pasquanta, Pasquantino, like he's older than those guys, you know, he's 24 and he's a first base only potentially, you know, future DH likely, um, which explains why he was never a top 100 prospect for real-life prospect rankings because the bar for those types of players is really, really high. But the fact that he is a little more proven at the high level of the minors than Andrew Vaughn and Spencer Torkelson does maybe make it so that he's less likely to have those early struggles that we've certainly seen from both Torkelson and Vaughn. Vaughn turning it around this season, Torkelson... Eh kind of showing signs lately but not really so um i, I think the the read there is probably like pasquantino pasquantino maybe has a higher floor and a lower ceiling than those guys but the quality of contact metrics that we have for him are pretty good his max exit velo according to baseball america last season was 116.5 miles per hour which is that'll play enough very, yeah very good um <clears throat> he's a fly ball heavy hitter 40% fly ball rate basically every year, uh, every stop in the minors, heavy pull rate guy. Hits a lot of infield fly balls. You know, he actually kind of reminds me of coming up is Reese Hoskins when he got called up. You know, maybe not like the most raw power, but a swing that is geared towards getting the most out of it. Hoskins struck out a lot more and walked more for what it's worth. But, you know, could be yeah. a situation where maybe that pull heavy approach and maybe the fact that he hits a decent amount of infield pop-ups throughout his minor league career, although that's been better this season. Maybe he's not quite a standout in terms of batting average the way you might think based on the minor league numbers, but all in all, I do expect or at least hope for a pretty smooth transition for Pasquantino. Yeah, I mean, that's that's probably the least predictable part as the examples you've given have shown and, and others in recent years beyond just Vaughn and Torkelson, really high end prospects have come up and struggled right away. And I don't think, I don't think I'm equipped really to say <laughs> who's going to, yeah, who's going to sink and who's, who's going to swim right away. I think, yeah, he kind of got overlooked in traditional prospect rank lists because of defensive limitations and because he hardly, 
you know, he wasn't he wasn't like a first round pick in. Uh, he, he spent just last year and this year in the minors. He was hardly there as a college player who got drafted in round 11, you know? So it, it, it's kind of like the college football rankings. If you don't start out at a high point, yeah. uh, it's, it's hard to break into that top. I'm sure in most, if there were uh, any top 100 re-releases, he'd be in them now. Um, so I, I think, I, I don't want to put limits on Pasco Quantino's upside. Obviously, he's not going to be a base stealer. Um, but I think if he's good right away, he could be really, really good right away. And, you know, part of that's going to depend on playing time. He's a left-handed batter. He was out of the lineup against a left-handed pitcher his first day in the majors. Is that going to be a regular thing? I imagine if he hits well, it won't be. But it may start out that way. I mean, the, the Royals may play games with Pasquantino's playing time at first, and we'll see if he can play his way out of it. But I think uh, I, I don't want to sell the upside short. It's really just a question of, you know, is, is, is he going to be ready to deliver right away? The, the comp I came to when I wrote about this for, for the site, for CBSports.com today, was like the good version of Yuli Gurriel. You know, maybe not like huge power, although I think probably more power than you usually get from Yuli Gurriel. But like hopefully, I think in a best case scenario, probably a similar approach, similar outcomes, you know, a contact-heavy approach that, you know, remember, Gurriel did have a season where he hit 29 homers. You know, we we didn't think he was going to repeat that, and he hasn't, but... You know, I do think that's like good batting average, good power, maybe not elite power, but I think that's within the the realm of possibility for him. Vinny Pasquantino, 45% rostered over on CBS, so pretty widely available if you need a corner infield bat, if you need a utility, whatever it might be. Lots of intrigue, lots of upside there with him. Hopefully, does get the opportunity to play against lefties. He's actually been pretty good against him. Uh, so far in his career in the minors. Why was he called up? Well, Carlos Santana was traded to the Seattle Mariners for right-handed pitchers Wyatt Mills and William Fleming. And in the month of June, which we've referenced a few times, Carlos Santana has actually been very good. 357 batting average, two homers, 13 walks to seven strikeouts, and hitting the ball very hard. Uh, Chris, do you have any interest in Carlos Santana, deeper league corner infielder, the way he's playing right now? No, I, I think he's probably going to play about as much as he did, at least for the the, next, the foreseeable future with Ty France out, because that's really the, the the thing that led to this, you know, if you go back far enough, is Ty France going on the IL with that flexor strain. And I think uh, Santana can still be a, a solid player, but it's not like he didn't switch leagues, so it's not like he becomes available in only leagues, and I think that's probably... I'm not going to say that's the only place that he's relevant because he can be a viable 15-team option, but I don't think he's a difference maker even in that format. All right. While we're just talking about prospects quickly, someone on Twitter asked me about stashing Jared Kelnick, and it might not be a bad idea. So far in June, hitting 276, five homers in 887 OPS, has the strikeout rate down to 21% in the month. And I read an article by Curtis Christensen from prospectinsider.com highlighting some mechanical adjustments to Kelnick's batting stance, a toe tap uh, in two strike counts, and being more loose with his hands. 37% rostered is Jared Kelnick. Scott, what do you think about stashing him while he's been relatively hot here in June? Yeah, I thought about adding him to the the five on the verge in the prospects report. I mean, he has obvi- he's technically not a prospect anymore, but neither was Kirloff, and I was adding him because, I mean, what he was doing in AAA was so impressive. 
wanted to shed some more light on it. Overall, as of last week, you mentioned the strikeout rate was down in June. But as of last week, when I considered it, it was over 30% still at AAA for, for his entire time there. And maybe that's corrected a good bit. But if you're looking for an extra outfielder to stash, I'd, I'd rather stash Kelnick at this point probably than Joe Adele, who's been hovering around the Mendoza line at tri- AAA. Obviously, I'd much rather have Pasquantino than Kelnick. But that could have probably gone without saying. All right, let's move into Monday's actual action here next. Oh, my good, goodness gracious. All right. Oh, my goodness gracious. Standouts from Monday, and we will start with Chris. Let's talk about Juan Pez, who got off to a really good start at the beginning of his major league career, then kind of hit a rough patch, but he's been quite solid for the last couple of weeks, culminating in a two-homer game on Monday. I think he had three batted balls that were at least 95 miles per hour in this one. Um, he's... I, I actually think Juan Yepes is kind of an, uh, a decent comp for Pasquantino. I think Pasquantino probably has better plate discipline, but their production in the minors was relatively similar at the high levels, and um, yeah, he's hitting 326 over his past 13 games, two home runs over 100 miles per hour. The quality of contact has been improving. And yeah, I think Juan Yepes, 32% rostered, is a uh, a decent consolation prize if Pasquantino's not available in your league. Yep, he has started the last eight games for the Cardinals with Tyler O'Neill back on the IL. And Scott, I know this is something you've referenced before where you know, a prospect comes up, he hits well, you know, kind of... Uh, falls back a little bit, and then bounces back once again, which is what Juan Yepes has done here. He's 32% rostered. Let's just say, who would you rather take a shot on right now, Yepes or Vinny Pasquantino? Pasquantino, baby. Like I said, I'm I'm not putting limits on the upside. I think think Chris's comps that he's been giving are, are on the conservative side, which is, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's, I don't mind. I don't mind dreaming with prospects, though, of what could be. Uh, I mean, he could hit 282 with a 30 homer pace. What is that? What Juan Yepes is currently doing. Yeah, he could. Do you think Juan Yepes is going to do that? Um, I don't think he's likely to continue to hit this well moving forward. You know, I think he's overperforming his expected stats a little bit. The quality of contact metrics aren't all backing up what he's doing, especially, you know, the, the max exit velo is there. He's 95th percentile there, 114.4 max exit velo. Um, but he's been inconsistent with the quality of contact, I would say. And that's reflected in the fact that early on when he had, what, three home runs in his first seven games or whatever it was, the quality of contact was pretty middling. Um, he was getting a bunch of multi-hit games, but it was a lot of like 84 mile per hour line drives over the the second baseman's head or whatever. Um, but I I think the the minor league production, you know, I don't think Pasquantino has like a huge edge there. They're similar build, similar um, profiles, same age, so I, I think they're they're pretty similar players. I want to say Pasquantino is quite a bit more disciplined. Than Yepes in the minors, unless yes, I'm remembering. that would be the main difference. Yeah, and that's 
that that's probably the thing I care about most of all, which is maybe why I'm higher on Pasquantino than you are. Is like if you're walking twelve percent of the time and striking out twelve percent of the time, like Pasquantino is like I don't care what level you're at. That that's that is that is impressive. All right. So Lopez did hit for more power, I would say. Chris, would he you did t- have a nine seventy two OPS at AAA? Chris, if you had to add one, who would you take, Yepes or Finny P? I would go with Pasquantino. You know, I, I think Yepes is kind of the the consolation prize if you miss on Pasquantino. All right, fair enough. Uh, while we're talking about Yepes, Cardinal outfielder, Dylan Carlson, I wanted to mention, he went two for four with a double and triple. Low-key has been solid since the start of May, hitting 295, four homers, 12 doubles, two steals, a 16% strikeout rate, 10% walk rate. Not hitting the ball all that hard. He's sixty-one percent yeah. rostered. Um, he looks like a slap hitter. It's weird. Yeah, there's not a lot of power, but you know, in a points league, the doubles, the plate discipline, it, it seems pretty helpful. Scott, what do you think about Dylan Carlson? I don't think much of Dylan Carlson. Uh. Gotta be honest. <laughs> all right. Well, I tried, Dylan. If you're listening. Uh, oh my goodness gracious! For you, Scott, who do you have? Okay, I'm gonna go with Chad Cool, who did a cool thing. On Monday, he was at Coors Field. He was facing the Dodgers. He threw a complete game shutout. Wow. Good for him. Yeah, I don't see much to get excited about here. (laughs) Um, He has a bad walk rate. He has a bad strikeout rate. He has a bad fly ball rate. He has, after the shutout, a 349 ERA. Very solid. His XFIP is 458 and i will point out xfip one one of the one of the qualities of xfip is that it normalizes for venue and his venue happens to be the worst one for pitchers so if it was taking into account cores field which xfip doesn't do but if it did it would be even worse than 458 is what i'm trying to say and uh yeah it's don't uh don't go getting excited about chad cool or anything I always find it so interesting when a player, a hitter, pitcher, whatever it might be, has this dominant game, but is this a player we don't believe in whatsoever? <laughs> we still bring them up early in the podcast because obviously we have to, but it's it just kind of reminds me of like when Reed Detmers threw that no hitter and then, you know, we just kind of poo-pooed him the whole time and, and then we got yelled at for it. The good news is there's no Rockies Turns fans. Out, well, there's no Rockies fans out there, so we won't get yelled at. Well, I mean, where's, we where's right Reed, about Reed Detmers? That's yeah, where's right. Reed Detmers now, baby? Yeah. Um, um, Chad Cool, I was surprised to see still 40% rostered. Scott, we were talking beforehand. You made a good point that uh, he was dominant early on. So I think people might have uh, just added him he, and, and held on. But he is a Sparp, I believe. So this is a two start week for a Sparp. So, you know, I started him in one points league. I. Uh, I can't say I mean, that it, it's it like the smartest out. thing I've ever done. But, <laughs> yeah, you know. two two cores field starts, one against the, the Dodgers. I don't even know who the second one. Di- uh, Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks, yeah. But still, cores field. Like, yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad it worked in a Roto out. League, don't think he has any value in a Roto League. <laughs> Fortune but, favors the brave yeah. for one, Chris Towers, who rolled out Chad Cool two starts in Coors Field. I will also point out, I think this might have been a little circumstantial. The Dodgers played a long Sunday night game. Then they were in Atlanta. They had to travel to Colorado, play the very next day. It's 
a lot going on there. So uh, we love you, Chad Cool, but but not enough to recommend adding you in fantasy baseball. Uh, oh my goodness gracious for me, Pablo Lopez, and this will kind of lead us into a discussion about more pitchers regressing. I don't know if this has happened to you guys, but I have roto leagues that have completely flipped where the first month of the season, I had like no hitting points. Now, my hitting is great and my pitching has gone down the drain. And part of the reason might be Pablo Lopez. So let's take a look <laughs> at what is going on with him. You know, him. I, I do have a league like that. Yep. And I have Pablo Lopez on it. Well, let's talk about Curiously it. Curiously enough. A recent run of mediocrity this time at the Cardinals where he gives up five runs over five innings pitched. He did have 13 swinging strikes. Good amount of hard contact against him. Average exit velocity up over 94 miles per hour in the start. And over his last eight starts, Pablo Lopez, a 4.89 ERA, just under a strikeout per inning. The walks and the home runs have gone up. Obviously, that's going to lead to a bunch of issues. The overall ERA is still very good, 2.98. But... But Chris, if we kind of, you know, break the season down into segments so far, it's been, you know, the first six, seven starts were great for Lopez, but the last eight have not been. What do you think about Pablo Lopez here? Yeah, there have been ups and downs within that eight. And if you go, you know, one start further back, you end up with a three or a seven innings, one earned run, 11 strikeout starts. So, you know, we're kind of dealing with arbitrary endpoints here. I think... In this case, the the overall record is you know high twos, low threes, ERA, xERA, all those, all the peripheral stats mostly suggest that he's a low threes ERA, and I, I think that's what he is. So it's not really for me a question of is Pablo Lopez useful or is he good. I think he is good. Um, he's not one of the seven best pitchers in baseball or like whatever he looked like early on in the season. He was never going to continue to be that, but I still think most of the ERA estimators suggest that Pablo Lopez remains quite good. And the strikeout rate has gone down a little bit, um, you know, in the, the last eight starts, but yeah, still I, good enough for a guy who does a pretty good job of suppressing quality of contact. And I, I think he'll continue to be pretty good, but yeah. yeah, you missed your sell high opportunity. The swinging strike rate during this eight start stretch has been about 14%, which is still a top 10 yep. among qualifiers kind of swinging strike rate. So mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, it's not like Pablo Lopez was faking it earlier. His stuff is legitimately high end. And yeah, it's been a little, uh, let's see. So what does this mean? So in, in the seven starts leading up to this start, which was, you know, a run per inning, obviously, in this start, it was a 431 ERA in the previous seven. So it was shaky, but it's not like he was getting crushed. And as you mentioned, Frank, his ERA even now is only 298. So, um, yeah, I think, I think if anything, you could possibly make a buy low argument for Pablo Lopez just... Uh, you know, if, if somebody's looking at the raw numbers, they still look great. But maybe the experience of having him recently, uh, the person who has Lopez will have soured on him. Something to look and into. Even during this stretch, it's really only two bad starts. It's the one where he gave up six earned, six earned and five and a third, and then this one, five and five. Other than that, he has one start with four, inning, four earned runs and seven innings, another start with four earned runs and seven innings. That's Obviously, that's not a good start, but... 
Like you'll live with that. Not every time out. That would be a, you know, five ish ERA, but you can live with those kind of starts that that's not too concerning. So I, I don't know. He, he's been prone throughout his career to these blow up starts or stretches that kind of wreck his overall line. And I, I think that's the, the bigger concern for me with Pablo Lopez is actually just the shoulder. You know, the fact that he's had multiple shoulder injuries in, in multiple seasons, that's the bigger concern. I think he's going to be good when he's healthy. But, you know, I, I think you can still make a case that potentially you sell high on Pablo Lopez just because the injury risk does linger. Or loom, I guess, would be the better uh, word. <clears throat> All right. So you ask Chris, he'll tell you to continue to look to sell high. And Scotty says to buy low. Well, if you can. If you can. If you can. I, I, I think he's a, I would rank him as a top 20 starter. Yes. Rest of season. So if you can. I don't know what a good comp is, but um, if you could give up. Uh, uh, who's somebody who's been kind of hot recently? Uh, I don't know. I'm choking. Sorry. Logan Gilbert. Sure. If you can give up, I, I would. Re- or Zach Gallon. Definitely Gallon. Yeah. yeah Gallon. If you can give one. up Gallon for Pablo Lopez, I would do that. What about Gonsolin for Lopez? That's good. The, eh, that'd be hard to do. Yeah. Would I do it? I think because of the injury risk, I wouldn't do it. Lopez's yeah. injury risk. It just doesn't really feel like it makes sense to do, you know? I don't like, yeah, I don't like doing trades where I feel like it's basically a lateral move, and I that's what I feel like that would be. Yep, fair enough. All right, Pablo Lopez there. A few other pitchers who have been uh, regressing as of late. Jordan Montgomery up against the Oakland A's. Come on, the Oakland A's, great matchup. He gave up five runs over six and two-thirds innings, six strikeouts, he settled down. It was it was all right. 15 swinging strikes in this start. Uh, the ERA is now 3.27. It seems very obvious to me that um, the Yankees are consciously having Jordan Montgomery and Jamison Tyone pitch to contact this season. They're really not walking anybody. It's just I think that they're just trying to fill up the strike zone, and uh, for the most part, it has worked. But obviously, uh, you know, you pitch in the strike zone, things are going to happen eventually, and we've seen that with Montgomery and Jamison Tyone recently. Uh, Martin Perez, don't doubt yourself too much, Chris. Another blast start, uh, his second in his last four outings. He gave up four runs over six innings pitched, six strikeouts. Eh, it's okay. Uh, Tyler Anderson has now allowed exactly four runs in three of his last four starts. He was at the Rockies where he gave up. Uh, four runs over t- uh, six innings with 10 hits allowed in this one. Uh, Chris, do you actually have any concerns with Tyler Anderson, Martin Perez, Jordan Montgomery? I think Anderson, you can give him the the course field benefit of the doubt. And then I just don't think Perez or Montgomery are all that good. So I, I it doesn't change how I think about them, but that's because I don't think particularly highly of them. So I think both of them are still sell high candidates. All right. Any different thoughts here, Scott? Well, it looked like Perez was getting crushed at first. So it was pretty solid bounce back for him, almost getting a quality start out of it, just to run high on that. Uh, so that was, you know, if you if you had him in your lineup for the the two starts, that could still turn out favorably for you. But yeah, Anderson is the one that I think. Yeah, it was a bad. It was Coors Field, and you could maybe give him a pass for that. But it's, 
it's been a while now since since he was racking up strikeouts. His past six starts, Tyler Anderson, it's only six point six K per nine. Uh, the swinging strike rate is respectable, but it wasn't prior to tonight. He had a pretty good swinging strike game. Actually, he didn't. Okay, so I probably calculated wrong. I, I think the swinging strike rate is only around 10% during that six-start stretch, too. I was trying to calculate it with this. Uh, today, today he had 10 swinging strikes on 96 pitches. That's not a great rate. So I, probably about 10 per nine, or I'm sorry, 10% swinging strike rate over that six-start stretch. Not what you'd expect not what you'd call a strikeout pitcher, either of those numbers. And we were kind of hanging. It, the, the, the breakout case for Tyler Anderson really depended on that, about him establishing this swing and miss change up and throwing it more. And he may be doing, he may be going the way of Eric Lauer here, where he was able to sustain that for half a dozen starts. Uh, but in the end, the track record is is catching up to him here. I'm not ready to say that for sure for Tyler Anderson. The Dodgers have a really good track record of maximizing pitchers' output, their potential. Maybe it's just a, maybe this is the blip for Tyler Anderson. But the track record would su- would suggest that the earlier run of success was. All right. I think for him, it's just he might have a really really thin margin for error. Like if he doesn't have the feel for the changeup things could be things could get ugly quickly yeah he had to throw his fastball more in this start it just seems like he really didn't have that change up or cutter going and his four seam fastball is a bad pitch that is tyler anderson Mm -hmm. we're talking about so someone again you like the others you just kind of quietly shop him around see what you can get for tyler anderson Uh, again sell high high is the keyword there uh, for him. Before we hit the break, just a reminder, if you listen to us on Spotify, help us out. Give us a five-star rating there. In fact, if you listen to us on Apple, you can help us out there too. You can drop a question, a team name in the uh, Apple Podcast review, and we will read it on an upcoming episode. We do have Team Name Tuesday coming up a little bit later on, and we'll take a break. Be back right after this. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know. 
all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. The news and notes. Bryce Harper is expected to undergo surgery to repair his fractured left thumb, but he plans to return this season, which, I, what, what would that bring him to? Mid-August, something like that? It's rough. Yeah, yeah. I saw back by the end of August. Ugh. So we're, we're not, there's not going to be much time left. I mean, any, yeah. any, any six-plus-week injury at this point in the season, you know, you're... Probably the rest of the regular season in a points league. Yeah, right. Like if you're not if you're not going to be in the playoffs, you might not get anything from that player anymore. And if, of course, any one setback could could make it officially a season ender. It's it's amazing that we're already halfway through the season, and we're saying that about these players, isn't it? Yeah. Or is that just me? No, no. It took me by surprise as well. Um, uh, with- we're not technically there yet, but we're close. Yeah, I mean, I guess the end of June, technically, right? Like, this first is, this three is months. This is kind of like uh, our, our friend Heath Cummings arguing that uh, 30 is middle-aged. You know, we're, we're at the midpoint of the season because we're in the middle third of the season. You know? No, we're, we're at the... Uh, the season is six much, months long, and we're at the end of the third month. Yeah, I, I would say... I mean, look, it started the, in the first week into April, so I guess it technically wouldn't be until the first week of July, but... Yeah, sure. I typically look at the end of June as like the midpoint of the baseball season. Uh, speaking of being 30, Chris, I saw your tweet about getting old and struggling with uh, softball recuperation. Man, man, played played in, in Frank's uh, softball game on, or games on Sunday, two games. Embarrassed myself, misplaying the, the first bad ball hit to me out in right field. It was really, real bad. Uh, then I had softball today, and boy, I feel like I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah that's basically me every monday of my life so. my, my elbow hurts so much between like flag football and throw on wednesday softball yesterday and then today i just like my, my elbow feels like it's gonna fall off you raise a good point though chris what is middle age these days because <laughs> i just described to to, you're gonna have to talk to heath about this he, this is heath is adamant that like 27 is middle-aged because the average lifespan is like 78 and so if you break the the life into the average lifespan into thirds everything that falls in the middle third is middle-aged it is a bonkers theory and i just wanted to throw it out there a couple years ago i described myself to a doctor as entering middle age and he rejected that notion (laughs) and i was like well well you know i'm 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 thirty. F- I'm thirty-eight now, so I was probably like thirty-six, thirty-five at the time. And I was like, well, I, you know, I can't define it. I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, my my hair is turning gray, as you know. I've got like four or five white mustache hairs now. <laughs> I feel much older than I actually am, but well, yeah, you're a baby. people don't want to. People don't care about that. Uh, Jack Flaherty was placed back on the IL with a right shoulder strain, as we unfortunately suspected. His teammate Harrison Bader also went to the IL due to plantar fasciitis. Dylan Carlson started in center field with Lars Newtbar in right field. Apparently, Newtbar can start against right-handed pitching moving forward. Chris Sale will throw three innings in a rehab start at AA on Thursday. Looks like Sale is being prepped for a post-All-Star break return to the Red Sox. Suspensions have been handed out for Sunday's brawl between the Mariners and Angels. Angels Mariner, uh, manager, 
Phil okay. Nevin suspended 10 games. <laughs> the, the, Rightfully I so. What, what did he actually do in, in the middle it, of It sounds everything? like he started, I can't remember the, the, the relief pitcher's name, but it sounded like he started them him with the explicit intention of having him throw at the, at the Mariners' batters. No. Oh. All right. Uh, so, well, yeah. Jesse Winker got seven games. <laughs> sounds like he's going to appeal, but um, yeah, could miss a big portion of this week if you started him, unfortunately. I mean, that's like... 8% of the rest of the season, depending on how long he pushes it. If it goes another couple weeks, you're talking almost 10% of the rest of the season. Yep. J.P. Crawford got five games. Julio Rodriguez and Rice Iglesias each got two games. Gleyber Torres was out of the lineup on Monday after receiving a cortisone shot in his wrist. He'll miss at least one more game as a result. Aroldis Chapman will make his final rehab appearance at AAA on Tuesday. And they continue to say that Clay Holmes will operate as their highest leverage reliever, which could be the eighth or ninth innings. I, don't I know. did see I did see a quote from Aaron Boone today that may challenge that idea. Now it was I don't have the full context for this quote. It was uh, tweeted by uh, Laura Alban Albanese. Maybe how to pronounce that name? A sports writer for Newsday. Clay has certainly earned that closer role, is what Boone said. In the, in the beginning, uh, the tweet goes on, they plan to give Chapman a few appearances to get in a good spot delivery-wise, and then another quote uh, that'll give the Yankees a new... Uh, it'll give the Yankees a second back-end monster. So, I don't know. but Based on that tweet and... And, and what she decided to exclude from the quote, it seems to me like they might at least be on equal footing, Chapman and Clay Holmes. I did a, I did a horrible job of describing it. I'm sorry. That's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> I, I thought it was a worthy tweet to bring up. No, definitely. I, I don't know. We'll see where it goes from here. Clay Holmes has I, arguably, maybe not arguably, been the best reliever in baseball this season. I don't... I don't see why they would take him out of the ninth, but alas, yeah, I mean, politics. They got one of the best closers in history yeah. still on their roster. That 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 would be why, but yeah. yeah, I mean, Clay Holmes looks like one of the, arguably the best closer in baseball right now, so that's, that's going to be a tough call for Aaron Boone. As expected, both Jaron Duran and Tanner Houck were placed on the restricted list while in Toronto. Mitch Hanniger remains on track for a return sometime around the All-Star break. He's been out since late April due to a high ankle sprain. Trevor Larnick is expected to miss six weeks after undergoing core muscle surgery on Monday. Brian Anderson was reinstated by the Marlins, and it will be interesting to see how they divvy up playing time between him and John Birdie, the rest of the team. They have a few names and players that they can move around. Uh, I know that Jazz Chisholm is dealing with some back spasms, so that allowed both Brian Anderson and John Birdie to be in the lineup on Monday. Tyler McGill was transferred to the 60-day IL, which means he will be out until mid-August at the earliest. Let's take a look at some offensive outbursts here on Monday. The Twins put up 11 runs on 14 hits. Carlos Correa hit his uh, eighth home run, and he's having a monster June. 343 batting average, five home runs in the month. Gary Sanchez went three for five with his ninth homer. Gio Urshela went three for five with two doubles, two RBI. Last but not least, Alex Kirilov breakout week starts with three hits and two runs scored. Let's see if he can build off of that. Who did they score all of these runs off of? Tristan McKenzie. 
You want to talk about regression? He has now allowed 13 runs over his last two starts, which includes five home runs. Uh, he did have seven strikeouts in this start, 15 swinging strikes. You like to see both of those things, but man, uh, as much hard contact and fly balls as he allows, I mean, I guess we should have seen this regression coming, but uh, Chris, this this was a pretty rough start to the week if, if you use McKenzie as a two-star pitcher. Yeah, I think he needs to go the... Um the way we saw Josiah Gray pitch on Sunday where it was just really heavy slider and curveball usage. They're very, I think they're kind of the, the Spider-Man meme, except McKenzie throws his fastball 60% of the time. He probably needs to, to fix that moving forward. Uh, yes, I would agree. Uh, Scott, would you look to buy low on Tristan McKenzie after these recent two starts? They were both against the Twins, so I mean, it could just be the Twins own him or something. No, I think Tristan McKenzie has flaws that he will have to overcome to be a reliable pitcher in fantasy. I, I think he's a useful one, as it is. You know, these last two starts haven't changed my opinion, but vulnerable to home runs, just like Josiah Gray. I mean, Chris makes a good comparison there, I think, where there's uh, you definitely see the potential for more from both of those pitchers, and, and maybe Josiah Gray is figuring out how to how to get the most out of what he offers quicker than McKenzie is. Uh, but for now, I see them both as pretty risky and, and vulnerable to blowups just like this. All right. On the other side, Sonny Gray turns in his first quality start since returning from the IL uh, at the Guardians. Seven shutout innings with three strikeouts and we had five swinging strikes. He did lean into the sinker in this start, so... That probably explains the lack of swinging strikes. ERA is down to 2.17. Um, Scott, do you think that we just kind of undervalue, I guess, disrespect Sonny Gray? Because, I mean, whenever he's pitched, he's he's been pretty good. It's been ups, downs, one year, this year, that. But overall for his career, 3.57 ERA, it's, you know, solid for Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray is the bane of my existence as a fantasy <laughs> baseball analyst, so I don't feel confident assessing our assessment of Sonny Gray, as you just asked me to do. You're always either too high or too low on him. Yes, yes. I think it's interesting that he has sort of faded his best swing and miss pitch. He only threw five sliders in this one. And that's historically been the, when he's been a strikeout pitcher, which hasn't been very consistent in, in being a, a good source of strikeouts. But when he has been one, it's usually because he's leaned on that slider more. And uh, he's he's been throwing it less and less over the course of this season and and nonetheless has a 217 ERA and 0.97 whip. So I don't I don't know what I'm supposed to make of that. I, I think I think Sonny Gray is pretty firmly in the mid-tier pitcher camp and and not somebody that uh, that we should consider must start, but deserves to be rostered widely, like he is. All right, let's move over to another amazing offense. The Orioles, really? They mashed five home runs at the Mariners. Anthony Santander hit his 14th. Ryan Mountcastle hit his 13th. Austin Hayes hit his 11th. Jorge Mateo hit his 6th home run. Uh, and Adley Rutschman, two more hits for him, including his... Third home run of the season, and he is having a solid June as well. 271 batting average, 10 doubles, three homers, 91.6 mile per hour average exit velocity for Adley Rutschman. You know, this is how things used to be. We've talked about it a lot. Prospects come up, they struggle, 
you know, start to gain a little bit more confidence and then they get going. And that looks like the case for Adley Rutschman. Who did they do all this damage against? George Kirby got crushed. He gave up seven runs over four innings pitched, including four home runs allowed. The ERA is now up to 4.08. And uh, Chris, admittedly, I I just kind of struggle to figure out George Kirby, which is fine. I mean, he's, you know, a 24 year old rookie pitcher. You know, I'm not, not going to judge him too harshly, but um, his best skill right now is control. He doesn't walk anybody. He has seven walks and 10 starts, but outside of that, he just doesn't really have another standout skill so far. What do you think? Yeah, doesn't really have a standout pitch either, except for the you know, maybe the fastball. Um, I think he's probably someone who would benefit from throwing outside of the strike zone a little more and trying to get more chases. Um because his whiff rate on all of his secondary pitches is really low. His best whiff rate on any of his pitches is fastball at 27%. Slider's 21, changeup's 21. His curveball has a 9% whiff rate. That is, That would be incredibly low for a fastball. That would be incredibly low for a sinker, let alone a, a curveball. So, yeah, I think he's still... Uh, he probably pitches in the zone too much, and he's going to have to rely on getting a lot of weak contact and I don't know if you know we can say for sure he has that skill yet so I I think he's probably a, a somewhat limited pitcher right now all right so George Kirby use him in the right matchups look two-star week I started him in a few different leagues it sucks this is what makes fantasy the right matchup this was this is what makes fantasy baseball so frustrating because you have George Kirby against the Orioles in Seattle and then you have Chad Cool against the Dodgers in Colorado. <laughs> Turns out Chad Cool was the right one to start. Yeah. Ah, so frustrating. On the other side, Tyler Wells was starting for the Orioles and has allowed three earned runs or fewer in every start but one. It's a little misleading because he doesn't go that deep into his starts, but he was solid here. Five innings, one hit, one run, three strikeouts allowed. Uh, lowers the ERA to 3.23. Underlying numbers, not very good for Tyler Wells. 41% rostered. Scott, what do you think of him? He has SPARP eligibility for those in points leagues. I don't think much of him. He <laughs> He's generally not a bat misser, misser, and he has an extreme fly ball rate. So... You, you can you see, you see, you can see uh, it, it happens sometimes that extreme fly ball pitchers like this have stretches where they're able to sustain a really low ERA just because not enough of those fly balls are, are clearing the fence to to inflate the ERA the way fly ball pitchers are vulnerable to, the way we've seen Tristan McKenzie do in his past couple starts. And, and it usually catches up to the pitcher. Occasionally, you'll find an extreme fly ball pitcher like Christian Javier, for instance, who the fly balls just don't get hit that hard. They manifest as a lot more infield flies than the sort of fly balls that are going to threaten to carry over the fence. But I'm not ready to say Tyler Wells is one of those exceptions. That's what Wells has done this season. He's getting a ton of infield fly balls, uh, 13% rate. He's got a 29% fly ball rate, only a 20% line drive rate. So like, if he was to be successful, this would be the way to do it. But like Christian Javier also has a strikeout rate that's nearly double Tyler Wells. So like yeah. that's that's really where I think Tyler Wells falls way short. It's just 
unless he's going to be, you know, one of the five or so best pitchers in baseball in terms of quality of contact suppression, it's probably going to go south for him pretty mm-hmm. quickly. Yeah, and he's actually done a solid job in terms of limiting hard contact, Tyler Wells, but not at an elite level or anything. So need yeah. to see more. I picked him up in one of our, I think, a podcast points league and started him just because I was desperate for a reliever. So Yeah, it's a spark. Yeah, the the danger stars. in that is is that for, for this profile of pitcher, if it is going to go wrong and, and we think it's going to go wrong, it it's likely to go very, very wrong. So <laughs> yeah. I would I would – just steer clear of Wells, personally. I'll tell you what, Scott. If there's ever a year to be a fly ball pitcher in Camden Yards, <laughs> I think it's probably this one, given their changes to dimensions. Other pitching leftovers from Monday. Kevin Gosman tied a season high with 10 strikeouts against the Red Sox. He went seven shutout, added 18 swinging strikes. Adam Wainwright gets back on track after two subpar outings. Uh, he was up against the Marlins Went seven shutout with nine strikeouts. And Lucas Giolito tosses his first quality start since June 5th. This one at the Angels. Six innings of two-run ball with six strikeouts. uh, 14 swinging strikes. Still gave up some hard contact. I'm not sure that he's fixed, but... You know, the, it was it was a strong recovery though because right. I think he had all six of those hits allowed through three innings and I'm like oh man Lucas Giolito is getting knocked around again and then he recovered to have a really nice looking line against against the Angels that you know three innings were if not perfect close to it to finish out the day yeah it's pretty rough when you've got uh, Gavin Sheets in the outfield too I saw he was trying to catch a ball that Brandon Marsh hit. And it hit off of his glove, and it went over the fence. They originally called it a home run, and then uh, yeah. it was ruled a triple after review. But doesn't help with those kind of outfielders <laughs> out there. I'll tell you that for sure. Um, Chris, anything you'd like to add on Giolito, Wainwright, Kevin Gosman from Monday? I think Gosman's perfectly fine. I never dropped him outside of my top five starting pitchers once I moved him in there, despite his relative struggles. And uh, I think he may have found the answer. There was a... The belief among the Blue Jays that he was tipping his pitches, and I don't know if you guys watched this start. Uh, he's using like a softball mitt, and it, it's kind of hilarious. He's got this like giant glove now that he's using. He said he can barely field with it, <laughs> but he uh, it's helping him hide the ball better. So, huh. hey, whatever works. Interesting. I'm not joking. It sounds it sounds like I'm joking. I but actually- I'm not. He's. He's using like a, it's like a soft, it's like a 14 inch mitt. I started writing in Gosman on Twitter and it just went to Gosman glove. It just like auto filled out. So I I guess everyone's looking up Kevin Gosman's glove right now. Is it like that Mickey Hatcher glove in the famous baseball card? Yeah. Yeah. Like that thing. Yeah. I know. I actually do know what you're talking about. (laughs) I was surprised to see that his whip was 1.24 despite, you know, having a, a very good season. For Gosman. I mean, his BABIP is 366. It's, you know, much higher than his career mark. So I, I would imagine there is some uh, regression coming in the BABIP department for Kevin Gosman and hopefully better whip moving forward for him. Uh, Ironically, I'm watching uh, the game right now and he just had a ball hit right back to him with his giant glove. He fielded it perfectly fine. So he's, he's perfectly fine now. Hey, that'll help the Babbitt. Let's do it. Uh, anything with these two, Scott? I know Eric Fetty, we recommended him as a two-star pitcher. He was fine. Five innings, two runs, four strikeouts. Uh, the other one is Connor Seabold. He started for the Red Sox. He got hit hard. He gave up seven runs over four and two-thirds. He had 21 swinging strikes. 
And he's actually had a pretty good minor league career. He's 26 years old, 3% rostered. Uh, what do you think? Anything with uh, Fetty and Connor Seabold? Yeah, Fetty was just a totally a matchup thing to favorable ones in a week where there weren't many two-star pitchers to choose from. So mm-hmm. I'm, you know, the the needle doesn't really move with this start. Fortunately, he didn't ruin you if you did follow through with that. Uh, yeah, Seabold is. I, I got to be honest, I didn't. I saw the line and I didn't bother to look into it further. <laughs> Because it was such a bad performance. But yeah, AAA this year, 209 ERA, 0.99 whip. Right at a strikeout per inning. Uh, I'm going to have to look into him more. He's 26 years old, so that's kind of a red flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's so on I'll the older look, side. I'll need to look into it more. He is the 14th ranked prospect in the Red Sox organization, according to MLB.com. So, I don't know, just... Pay attention, throw him on the, the scout team. Connor Siebold, the name there. Let's see where it goes from here. A few waiver wire decisions for hitters. I think I know the answer to this one. But Chris, Gavin Lux or Luis Garcia? I'll point out. In the month of June, Gavin Lux is hitting 347. He's got one homer, six doubles, two steals. What do you think about those two? I like both of them. There's a lot that Gavin Lux is doing right. His... Um Quality of contact has been pretty good in the month of June. His zone contact rate is really high. I think it's like 85% or something. Uh, he's starting to look like what the Gavin Lux, the version of Gavin Lux who would be good, would have looked like. I think if I was going to add one of them, it would probably be Garcia. But I don't know. People have been so slow to pick up Garcia despite the fact that he's hitting like 330 that I. Uh, I don't know. Maybe there's a better chance that Lux gets picked up and the opportunity cost tips that way. But I, I do think yeah. I like Luis Garcia better. I, I definitely like Garcia better. I'm, I'm kind of over Lux. Like he'll, he'll go on these stretches where he hits for average, but not much else. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I just don't see much there. I see a lot more there for Garcia, and I'd go with him. All right. If you need a. I guess either position, corner infielder or outfielder, they they both play both. Uh, Garrett Cooper went three for three. He's now batting 386 with two home runs, a 952 OPS in June. And Connor two hits? Connor Joe goes two for four once again, now has multiple hits in four of his last five games. Scott, I know you recommended Connor Joe as a sleeper this week and Garrett Cooper last week. But if you're just kind of projecting rest of season who do you like more Garrett Cooper Connor Joe I think I like Cooper more I could see going with Joe over him in a points league where you you know you don't like Cooper's probably going to hit for a better batting average Joe might reach base at a higher rate so it's and I don't think either one of them has significant power so it's it's a close call but I I'd, I'd probably say Cooper and Roto Joe in points. All right. Some hitting leftovers. O'Neill Cruz hit his first home run of the season. A laser at this one. Was o- a ridiculous, ridiculous home run. I yeah. don't know if you guys saw it, but it's like the hang time was, I think they said four seconds or something. It, it's like off the outside corner, like high and outside. And he pulls it to the right side. And I, this thing must not have gotten more than about 30 feet off the ground at any point. It looks like a double to the gap. That just keeps going. 
He's ridiculous. Yeah, 109.8 miles per hour off the bat there for O'Neill Cruz. And I don't want to poo-poo the Pirates broadcasters or their fans. You should be excited about O'Neill Cruz, but they call this home run like they just won the World Series. It's it's interesting. I, I just want to see everything O'Neill Cruz does just for how they call it on the Pirates broadcast because it's pretty entertaining right now. Anthony Rizzo hit his 20th home run. John Carlos Stanton hit his 18th. The Blue Jays, they hit a couple of dingers themselves. Vlad Jr. hit his 18th. George Springer hit his 14th. And Matt Chapman hit his 11th. What do you know? John Birdie, he hit a single. And what do he do? He stole a base. He's now up to 22 steals on the season. Paul Goldschmidt went 4-for-4 four four with his 19th homer. He's batting 347. There could be someone that I'm just completely missing right now. But is Paul Goldschmidt the favorite for National League MVP? I don't really uh, think about those things. Me neither. Oh, uh, Machado. <laughs> I mean, Goldschmidt's having a better season than Machado. Uh, like a definitive. Machado's like half a win clear of him, but I guess it's a lot defense. Yeah. Goldschmidt is. Goldschmidt does lead the Fangraphs offensive value metric by a significant margin among all players right now. Yeah. I mean, the Padres have been a very good story, so I get it with. Uh, with Machado, but Goldschmidt has just been ridiculous. Mitch Garver yeah. went two for four, hit his eighth home run. Good to see as he battles through that forearm injury. And Whit Merrifield went two for five with his 11th steal. He now has four steals over his last 10 games, which helps when you consider he's batting 233. So, not great. Uh, so, it took me a, long, a bit longer to look up, but according to Baseball Reference War, which is calculated differently from Fangraph's war. Goldschmidt actually is ahead of Machado. However, there is an NL hitter tied with Goldschmidt who isn't Machado. Mm. Any guesses who that might be? Harper? I'll give you one each because you're never going to get it. <laughs> oh, now I want to think of a completely obscure player. I don't have anything good. Who is it? Tom Tommy Edmond. Ah, his teammate. Which uh, is most... That's- it's mostly defense as well, but yeah, he's not. Yeah, he's tenth overall in Fangraphs war. I guess that's he's like fourth. Dansby Swanson's actually tied with Paul Goldschmidt in <laughs> Fangraphs war. Dansby Swanson, man, that guy's gonna get paid. Hopefully, I'm rooting for you. Get your money, kid. Call to the bullpen. The Nationals. Kyle Finnegan picked up his first save. Tanner Rainey had pitched three of the Nationals' previous five games. Uh, so Kyle Finnegan gets it there. And then for the Angels, Riceley Glacius pitched a clean ninth for his 14th save. To stream or not to stream, we'll start with Tuesday. Zach Plesak versus the Twins. Jose Quintana at the Nationals. Ross Tripling versus the Red Sox. Michael Waka at the Blue Jays. Dakota Hudson versus the Marlins. John Gray at the Royals. Johnny Cueto at the Angels. And Dean Kramer at the Mariners. John Gray. Gonna keep saying it. You want to start him against the Royals, and uh, otherwise Dakota Hudson against the Marlins. I'm okay with. All right. On Wednesday, we've got Mitch Keller at the Nationals, Dane Dunning at the Royals, Zach Granke versus the Rangers, uh, Chris Flexen versus the Orioles. Anybody else? Dylan Bundy at the Guardians. That's fun. Uh, Andre Palante versus the Marlins, and yeah, I'm Justin Steele versus the Reds. Is uh, okay. Ugh. Dane Dunning at the Royals. 
I'm not buying Mitch Keller, like, you know, being good, but I'm fine with it against the Nationals. Yeah. He's been okay. He's kind of turned into, I don't know. Mitch Keller normally is, you know, he gets rocked or he's awesome, and now he's just kind of been (laughs) mediocre all the time. So it's, I don't know. Yeah, I saw this stat that was like, no pitcher... Like, no pitcher had thrown more than six sliders with more than 20 inches of horizontal break at harder than 85 miles per hour all season. And Mitch Keller did six of it, did that six times in his start on Friday. And it's like, all I could think was, man, it's fitting that that happened in a start where he gave up three runs in five innings. Yeah, it's just... Like, that sounds about right. Yeah, it's Mitch Keller. But maybe he'll give up two runs in five innings tomorrow. All right. Wednesday. Team name Tuesday, 58 minutes. Take that, Chris. This one's from Big Daddy Lowry on Twitter. Uh, Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. Okay. He sent a, a screenshot of uh, Alejandro Kirk doing doing the ah, Star yes. Trek thing I as well. I did see that so, the other day. Yeah, that was awesome. Emails. This one's from John. Well, these couple are from John. Daddy Schwarbucks. Yep. Kakunya Jr. For, yep. My, for my Pokemon fans out there. Kirilov to see the wizard. Yep. <laughs> From Mark, if you're having Guriel problems, I feel bad for Ryu, son. <laughs> yep. That's, is that a yup? That sounds like Heath came up with it. Uh, I like that. From Thomas, uh, for Frank's Star Wars education, let the Mookie win. Yep. From Dylan, morale of the story. Yep. And from Willie Kamish on Apple Podcast Reviews, Billy Bean is not my lover. <laughs> I thought it, was, thought it was pretty good Alright, we're going to wrap there For Scott and Chris, I am Frank Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball Today We'll be back again tomorrow Bye-bye Okay, picture this It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.